Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and before the show, I want to share some news with you. I'm the new permanent host of The Decibel. I'm looking forward to bringing context to the biggest stories directly from the Globe's newsroom and help break down what you need to know. Thanks for listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Let's get into the show. When Canada legalized cannabis, there were lots of ideas for how to make it appealing for people who didn't want to smoke it. There were edibles people could buy, like gummies, and more recently, cannabis beverages that you could drink like a beer. There were high expectations for cannabis drinks, but they still haven't really taken off. In some cases, it could be up to 10 times more expensive to get the same effect from beverages as it would from other types of cannabis. That's Irene Galia, a business reporter with The Globe. She's here to talk about the challenges of how to make and market these products and what might be next for the industry. This is The Decibel. Hi, Irene. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. So to start, can you give us an idea of what THC-infused drinks are actually available in Canada today? There is a huge range. You can get sparkling water, you can get dissolvable powders, hot chocolate, um, kombucha drinks, (laughs) beer and wine-inspired beverages, and they range in flavors from tropical fruits like mango and pineapple to coconut and iced tea flavors. Um, Wow. Huge range of what you can get right now. So when did this become a thing that you could buy in Canada? These products came on the market early last year, so early 2020. So a little bit after legalization in, in 2018, it sounds like? That's right. It took a while for them to figure out how to get the THC into the drinks. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Uh, how are these drinks actually made? THC comes as an oil, and oil and water typically do not mix. Mm. So the cannabis companies had to develop this technology called nanoemulsion, where the oil is broken up into very tiny particles so that it distributes really evenly throughout the can and it stays suspended. Um, The other problem is that in 2019, Lagunitas, which is an alcohol company in the U.S., announced that they were having a hard time putting the THC in the can. Part of the reason was that it was disappearing into the lining. They would make a can of these weed drinks and go back two months later and test it and find out there was no psychoactive component left. It it had just disappeared, and that's because it was leaching into the side of the can. But those are just two of the problems that these cannabis developers have had. And they're making a new product from scratch that's never been developed before. So some of these scientific problems certainly slowed down the production of these drinks. So in the early days of of cannabis legalization, there was a lot of of hype and hope, I guess, that uh, about the possibility of these cannabis drinks taking off. So like how much money were were companies kind of pouring into, into this segment of the market then? Around the time of legalization, we saw some really big 
alcohol companies getting into the market. So, for instance, in 2017, we saw Constellation, which owns Corona Beer and Inniskillen Wine, among others, buying a $225 million stake in Canopy, which is one of Canada's largest cannabis companies, to develop beverages. And uh, the next year, Molson Coors and Hexo partnered, and they have since invested $100 million. And Anheuser InBev, uh, that's the company that owns Budweiser, partnered with Tilray, another Canadian cannabis company, and they also invested $100 million. So there was a lot of money going into beverages around the time of legalization. Who were these drinks going to be marketed towards? Like, who did they think was actually going to be be buying these these cannabis drinks? The hope was that these drinks would appeal to people who hadn't previously used cannabis in other forms like smoking, potentially older people or people who like to kick back with a beer instead. I think those people are still hesitant to go into cannabis stores. And from what I've heard, often people will buy one of these drinks to try, but the price point and the flavor still are not appealing enough that they would have these regularly. Of course, there are still people who are buying these drinks. 2% of a billion dollar market is still a substantial amount of sales. I think it still hasn't overcome some of the stigma that is attached to cannabis. What were people saying at at the time uh, in terms of the potential sector of this part of the cannabis market? There were really high expectations for this market segment. Back in 2018, Deloitte put its estimate for the total Canadian beverage market at $530 million annually. But in reporting this story, I spoke with some analysts, and they estimated that the market today is worth about $60 or $100 million annually. So there's some room to grow. Hexo, one of the only cannabis companies that separately reports its beverage revenue from the rest of its products, said that its products account for 50% of the cannabis beverage sales in Canada, and they reported fourth quarter net revenue of around $5.1 million um, earlier this year, and that's up 70% from the previous quarter. So they are seeing substantial growth over time, but those numbers still aren't where analysts thought they would be by now. So... I guess the question is, why didn't these cannabis drinks catch on the way that some people thought they would? So a lot of people say that it's because of the price point for the amount of THC that's in these beverages. The government of Canada has put a limit of 10 milligrams of THC, which is the psychoactive element of cannabis, into any one product. The price per milligram of THC in beverages is substantially higher than it is if you were to just buy dried cannabis, uh, which you would smoke out of a pipe or a bong. So it's more expensive to get high if you're going the cannabis drink route instead of just smoking. Is that right? In some cases, it could be up to 10 times more expensive to get the same effect from beverages as it would from other types of cannabis. Another thing uh, that people say is holding back the beverage industry is that the government of Canada also put a limit on how much cannabis anyone can buy at one time, and that's 30 grams of dried flour. 
And when you convert that to beverages, you end up only being able to buy five cannabis drinks at one time because each one is considered to have 5.1 grams of dried flour. So people can't even buy a six pack and that takes away from the convenience of buying the beverages. At the moment, you also can't buy the drinks at the LCBO or anywhere else aside from these cannabis stores. What about people who maybe aren't used to smoking cannabis, but might be interested in in trying an edible or a beverage? Like, is this catching on with with those kind of consumers? I think the hope was that it would. At the moment, it's hard to say exactly who is buying the beverages. I think people who are new to cannabis might be worried that they won't be able to control the psychoactive effects of a drink because it's a new product. They haven't had it before. However, in a lot of the beverages on the market, the psychoactive component, the the amount of THC in the drink is quite low. So I think the goal of these companies would be that people could drink a can of this at a party with their friends while everyone else is drinking a beer Mm -hmm. and have around the same amount of psychoactive effect as you would if you were drinking a can of alcohol. And like do these the all the flavors that you mentioned at the beginning is that a- appealing for people like is the taste of it appealing for people? So I've never tried one of these drinks myself, but I did talk to a lot of people while I was reporting this story and it's a mixed bag. Some of them I've heard are pretty good. Uh, some of the the sparkling water flavors, you can add some juice, mix in other flavors to cover up some of the cannabis flavor, but especially with the more concentrated and potent ones with more THC in them, I've heard that you really still do get that musky cannabis flavor, and that has put people off. So this is, as you've touched on before, this is a heavily regulated industry. How have government regulations uh, on cannabis drinks in particular, how have they contributed to some of the, the challenges, I guess, that the industry is facing? If you ask someone in the industry, they will tell you that the government regulations are the reason why they haven't taken off as they were expected to. Those limits on potency, the high prices, and limitations on how many drinks you can buy at a time, they say are really limiting and The other problem is that cannabis lounges haven't opened up yet, and these were supposed to be places where you could go, meet with friends, and consume cannabis products just as you would have a glass of wine in a bar. These were expected to open up around 2019, 2020. They were in the works before the pandemic, and then when COVID started, those plans were put on hold, and I've been told there's not any plan at the moment to open cannabis lounges. Having those spaces open for the consumption of beverages was a huge factor in some of the calculations of how successful these products could be. What about the possibility of selling these cannabis drinks in just regular bars alongside where they sell alcohol? Is is that a consideration? I think it's still too early to think about selling cannabis beside alcohol. 
combining alcohol and cannabis typically is not recommended. And in a busy bar, it would also be really hard for a bartender to to know what you've consumed before and gauge how intoxicated you are. I think when these big alcohol companies were first investing in cannabis, they really saw these weed drinks as a huge new product that would rival beer and wine. And that's why they were so excited. And all of these policies and regulations have slowed their enthusiasm. Are there plans to eventually get these cannabis beverages into um, like provincial distributors that sell alcohol as well? Or is, is, has that, have those plans been halted? Or I guess what stage are we at with that? I think that would be eventually the mission for cannabis companies. They would love to see their products sold in these provincial alcohol distributors. But as you say, it's a really, it's a highly regulated industry. And so these sorts of changes take time. So, Irene, we've talked about the issues that cannabis drink producers uh, in particular are facing. But I guess how much um, are those issues just a, a product of the larger cannabis industry in particular? Like how demand has been playing out in general for, for cannabis products? What we're seeing in the beverage market is representative of what we're seeing in the cannabis market as a whole. There were really high expectations around legalization, and we saw big companies putting a lot of money into developing facilities and new products. And in general, the cannabis market has not expanded as quickly as some people thought it would. Some people say that beverages in particular were overhyped. I spoke with one cannabis business owner and he said that he never got into selling beverages in the first place because he never thought there was demand for them. And this has confirmed that for him. Irene, thanks so much for joining us today to to talk about this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. Tim and Johnson, our intern, also helped produce today's episode. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks to Irene Galia. You can find more of her work at theglobeandmail.com. You can also email us at thedecibel at globeandmail.com. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at ManikaRW. And if you haven't already, please follow The Decibel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.